Hey, it's hey. T- time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I give a shit. Um, I'm really uh, excited today. I don't really want to do too long of an intro because I have a very, very special guest calling in from L.A. I want to tell you just a tiny bit about him before I, I get him on the on the phone because he's there. Uh, in L.A. He's in L.A. He just said it's warm there. So anyway, um, I've mentioned this before, but uh, there's a film um, called Cold Feet, and it's about me not wanting to get married and all this other stuff around marriage. And um, it's playing at the uh, Bushwick Film Festival this coming Sunday. That's October 2nd at 3.45 at... um, syndicated theater at the theater part. And um, it's a really, really big deal that uh, it got into the Bushwick Film Festival. And basically the film has just been an amazing, um, like it's, it's like hard for me to even, like I could take up this whole, this whole hour just explaining why the film is so uh, amazing and important and valuable to me and all this other shit. But um, we're going to be talking to the filmmaker and uh, he's um, Spencer Shilley. He's an amazing guy. He's one of these people, the only way I can describe him, and I'm glad he's not sitting here because he would just be making faces at me. Uh, but, you know, he's just somebody that, like, I met uh, through uh, when he was in school in his 20s, which is a long time ago already. And uh, I was just, I I met his work before I met him. And I was totally in awe of his work. And uh, then um, I dragged him into getting involved with my psychotherapy live project. And after that, he wound up working with my husband and then me on some um, things for advertising, some movie videos, whatever. And uh, also, you should know that um, he's, he's, you know, over the years had an incredible career. He um, edited RuPaul's film Star Booty. He was um, an editor on the beginning of Drag Race, um, has done, you know, tons of those. And ironically enough, he's now working on um, Marriage Boot Camp, which is hilarious, uh, you know, uh, celebrity edition. So, uh, anyway, I can't like it. He made this film, he made this film and it's about, it's about me. It's like crazy. Okay. So Spencer, I'm, I'm like freaking out here. Help me out. Spencer. Hello. Hi, Lisa Levy. How are you? I'm so excited. You're going to be here on Sunday to see the film. Thrilled. And I'm there's so thrilled. also a uh, Spencer's also going to talk about the film. There's going to be a what Q and A or something. But anyway, yeah, not, not without you. you oh Jesus! I'm I'm too I'm too scared to go there. Well, talk. you know, this is what this is what always strikes me. We had one other screening of the show, and what always right. strikes me is like Spencer and I are both like kind of we're so similar in a way and we're like a little we're nerds you're we're much nerds. better you're much better at self-promoting than i am I well have, I, i'm not i have like yeah i'm not able to do it i don't know how but you have so I much more to promote that's why i, I don't know I don't i'm know. A, anyway I we we just 
We just, I just like am in awe that um, I even am friendly with Spencer, let alone, like, I can't believe I know this person. And on top of that, I can't believe this person actually made this film you're about like one of me. You're my favorite people. Are you no, kidding? no, you are. You're my favorite. You are. I mean, yeah. it makes me like, I, I it makes movie. me all nervous. We're just going to go on about uh, this whole mutual admiration thing. We can't do this, Spencer. We don't have enough time. All right. Um, all right. But anyway, um, you know, just I just wanted um, Spencer spent uh, three months uh, basically with me doing all the things uh, leading up to the wedding. And I was really hesitant about getting married, mostly because of my own uh, insecurities and family issues and and, you know, self-righteous independence. But Spencer came to doctor's appointments with me. He came to the well, you. You, you, well, you, we came to. We tra- I wanted to try on the dresses with you too, but they kicked us out. I had the camera; we were ready to go, but they wouldn't let us film it. I forgot about that. I forgot. Like I, I can't. But oh um, anyway, uh, yeah, we had and we had a little interesting chat about the theme of the film today. Just you and me, Spencer, and how much um, the concept of marriage has changed in society in the six years, and in a beautiful, really, like that made me feel really, really. Um, positive, which is something uh, we all need right now about society. But Spencer, talk about it. I did all the talking. Now you have to say something. Talk about how oh, you God. felt about the film, how you feel about it, what your thoughts were, and blah blah blah. Duke, go, please help well, me. I just remember. Well, okay, you and I mean, I've known you for like God. I don't know. Fifteen years, fifteen years or something. Now I don't know, but I was, more, more, because I've, I've known yeah, probably and, twenty, twenty, at least twenty. I met Phil in no, 1998, no. it was, it was 2000, like 90, 18 90, years. 90, I don't know. In the 90s. But, I mean, I've known Phil as well. So when I heard you guys were getting married, everyone was just floored because you've been dating for eight, nine years. What was it, eight years? And then you finally decided to actually pull the plug and get married. And this was during the whole, like, like 2010, 2011, and everyone was up in arms about the gays not being able to get married because I, I am a gay and I like, you know, wanted to get married myself. You, you, and the yeah. fact that you didn't want to do it was kind of perplexing to me. And I, I thought sort of an interesting angle to make a movie about well, because everyone, well, everyone wants, you know, dreams of finding their perfect companion. And I think you found that with Phil and that you were just so hesitant about it. I thought it was uh, an interesting take on well, I mean, it's interesting from your perspective, you know, that you had a kind of a clean, a clean or a, you know, a, you know, a, a different perspective. I mean, that you could see it more, that you could see it more clearly, like you, you didn't grow well, up. Yeah, I mean, I'm also, yeah, I'm also, you know, grew up in the South and. Oh, right. The, 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 you know, the girls all want to get married when they you know, <laughs> reach, reach a certain age and dream of the, dream of their wedding day. And, that's because um, their bride, that that's because. of what you, you your experience. Yeah, that's because um, their moms didn't make them shitty bride gowns instead of buying them the real ones for Barbie. But um, right, right. So what? It, like, what was that like for you? And like, how do you feel about the film now? Like, what was that like for you when you were filming filming us, filming me, filming I mean, us? Uh, it was exhilarating. I mean, I just, I just like being around you and like feeding off of whatever you were, you know, doing and just figuring out like what it was about marriage that freaked you out so much and i think we got a better understanding of that as we talked about you know why you were so afraid of this label of being being a wife and how you were, you were just so afraid it was going to change you and i don't i don't 
Do you, do you think it changed you at all? I mean, be- well, I think, you know, I think it's hard to separate out what being married, you know, being married, what aging, what um, not working in advertising, all the... All the all those it was things. More than just the marriage. Yeah, but there is a sense of security, and um, I that I have now to some degree, and um, I guess I kept fighting that I needed to be strong without getting it from an outside force. But you know what? Getting it from we do you need we need it from other people too, and it doesn't mean that I'm completely secure. There just is a security that I was able to get. It's but, just one box you, you can check off now. Right. So th- in the process of making the film, what what was your, like, how did it change your perception of marriage or what, using me as an example? Uh, did yeah, it change no, or? No, it didn't change my idea of marriage, but it did change. It sort of opened me up to other ways of thinking about Ed and, you know, and seeing how people not might, might not want to actually do it oh interesting and when you were editing it you know which you spent a lot of that time was the most pain that was the most painful part of the editing process because there's just so much amazing material uh-huh. and we dealt back it's such an incredible with, film but, it's such an incredible film but was but it so was it a story that um like i thought that the wedding itself kind of um was i cry i cry still it, when i watch it like, still, <laughs> today. Like, like five years later six years later like, it's totally I at the end because I, I really see a, a change in you, and just and just on the on the on the on the set. No, on the set. On, at the, on the when I was doing the uh, vows, right? It looked like a set. Yeah, it, yeah. We just just that whole day. You could just you could just see all of the walls of everything you were just shedding. You were you were just like, okay, okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I love this man. There's no reason why I shouldn't do it. Like just seeing yourself like wrap your wrap your head around the idea of actually going through with it was just um, really moving. Yeah, well, so much of your art, I mean, your art had always been about being a single woman. Yeah, I really made fun of convention. Right, right. And and so to see you just sort of like go and be a part of this convention that you had sort of like mocked and made fun of for so long was... uh, so I mean I felt I felt like um like when I think about it now and and I'm not even you know you edited the film you're much more cognizant of it than I am but when I think about it now I think about um being on you know being being saying the vows being on a platform or stage whatever in front of all these people and I remember looking at Phil in that moment and realizing that I had somebody who cared about me in a way that I had never had in my entire life because of my... And a whole room of people that cared about you, too. I mean, you're, everyone there was just, like, so much love and so much celebration. I mean, oh, like, my... I, I, had never been, I had never been around, like, so much genuine, just, like, wow. Wow, that, wow. Yeah, I mean... I feel like, were, were you, do you remember? I feel like maybe you, like, were passed... I was, I was worried you were going to pass out. Really? No, yes. no. <laughs> really? No. That's hilarious. I only pass out at the screenings when I get oh, to... Right. When I smoke yeah. too much pot, remember that? Oh, yeah, that the, was, At the screening, I made a scene the last, the last in front of the family. Before. But anyway... Yeah. Uh, you survived. Yes. Uh... 
So, but I think, but that I mean, that's really what it was. Just like it was so challenging for you to take part in this, you know, ceremony that you had sort of, um, you know, spent a career, sort of, right, right, commenting on, right, and being like, it's almost like a religion that I didn't want to be part of that I got converted into. Right? Does it did seem like that? Yeah, yeah, man. I think your your identity as an artist had sort of, I felt like, you know, been about being a, a single woman. Yeah, who, being a being you know, a ra- ra- you know being being like there was something independent, independent right. right? Being right. independent. Um, and, yeah, um, I was gonna say, you know, it's really funny because I mean, I was I was in the moment during the um, vows, which were not scripted, and I had an idea, but it really came from the heart. And um, I felt like when I think about the film, I felt like that really kind of like if you could write an uh, an ending or if you could write, that's the kind of thing that you would want to write into the script. I think that the wedding contrasted to the rest of the the lead up to it really kind of pulled it together as a story. What did you, what do you think about that? Was that like that when you were editing? Yeah, well, there were also, there were just so many ways to go with the movie because of your art, you know, your art career. And, you know, we'd also had done that big performance in the um, weekend beforehand in, the weekend, in Washington. There, there right. So many, yeah. There were so many angles to go. So mm-hmm. just keep it focused to keep, keep it focused on the wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is what but is what mm-hmm. hopefully makes it makes the wedding work at the end and yeah you know, it's powerful it's climactic as it, yeah 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 just, so um, what we're kind of I was going to say, what were some of the like um, decisions, storyline decisions, and editing decisions, and like, fi- I mean, the filming—you just filmed everything. We really—it was that was the best part. How much time we got to spend together it made the whole wedding so I know, much. Right? So I was oh my god! <laughs> but I was um, make a movie about Lisa, so I can hang out with Lisa. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so, but when it came time to edit. To editing, like what were the what what decisions? What did you go through as far as putting the story out in such a? I mean, it seems think, it looks perfect, simple now. But what did you go through? Um, well, I think one of the the hardest things with the with the editing process um, was that I didn't get part of a story that I sort of wanted because I know you had like a, a complete meltdown before I got to New York, mm. and so to you know, start the movie off where we, like, there wasn't, like, a, a huge moment where we thought you were actually going to not do it. Like, there was a moment where you weren't going to do it before Well, I let's there. remind so, people that I was engaged for, like, five years. So five years, yeah. Th- that, yeah you yeah. know, it kind of built up slowly. Um, but to tell the story where we sort of know, we, we know the ending, but sort of understand how profound this ending is going to be when, when we actually ah. get there. That was, that was sort of, if that makes sense, that was sort of the challenge and, and editing and also just, of you know, put, how much of your psychotherapy stuff, just how, how much to like not put in and, you know, keep the, the, the pacing, like the movie wanted to, wanted to be, you know, 45, 50 minutes. And, um, that's a hard length for, to sell for like festivals and stuff. So, right. Um, it, it really was just like, trying to stream streamline it was like the most the most difficult part and, and taking out scenes that I absolutely loved that didn't I didn't want to part with but you know 
having those scenes in the movie kind of like I, I feel like dragged it down overall. But now, I, now I just feel like I'm really happy with it. It moves along. I love it. I um, love, it, love, it, love it. Just the way that it that it, it should. And, and how? Really, and I mean, it took it. it took you um, a couple of years to finish it, um, edit it. I mean, oh, because yeah, yeah. you're also like heavily involved in a lot of work. I mean, you you yeah. know, Spencer. I, Folks, my folks, my folks out there, Spencer is like this totally in demand uh, TV Hollywood reality show editor. I mean, he's really a filmmaker and a genius and all that other stuff, but he juggles all that with like, he's never out. Yeah, that was my, my, yeah, at night, that was when I would edit at night. Right. So it took a long time, but. um, It took a long time. What, what was that process I mean, what was that like? Like, was it, you know, did, did it, did you go through a lot of different, it took, it went, oh, yeah. it went I mean, on like, over I mean, a year. Must... Yeah. Anything I work on, I, I, you know, I go through months and years where I hate it and I don't know what to do with it. So I think, you know, taking, taking breaks from it and then coming back to it with fresh eyes is always important mm-hmm. um, to, to me and like having other, you know, I had two other amazing editors help me with it and what they would, they would come in and, uh, William and Allie would, uh, you know, take take the drives and actually, you know, work on it as well. Um, yeah, because so you... you know it's about co- co- collaborating and getting other people's eyes on it and, and just figuring out what actually makes it work. But that said, I actually I'm I'm like uh, all right, all right. We'll see you on meeting. So... Okay, other, I know like, because I, my, my day job. They of course this is how everything works. Like schedule a meeting at the same time I'm supposed to do this phone call. So <laughs> I, have to, I have to go run. And okay. Do, well, I'll other, be excited to uh, see you on, you know, it will be at the screening on Sunday. So everybody should come. I know, Thank so, you. I can't wait I'm to so see excited. you. I can't wait to see you and see the movie. <laughs> Share it with everyone. Everyone comes to the movie. It'll be really fun. All right, <laughs> Thanks Spencer. Okay, bye bye. All right. Bye. Okay. So, um, that is a rare chat. I don't think we've ever had a chat like that before on the air. Um, so, uh, I am like, I don't know, you know, it's so personal to me, this movie and Spencer, my relationship with him is so personal and important and all this stuff is like, it just makes me reflect and get like, it makes me really grateful. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But I've got this really good looking guy in the studio now. So I got to go, I got to switch to that. You know, who's here today? Um, is Brian Andrew Whiteley. He's happily married. That's why I can flirt with him, because we're not threatened. Unless we could get a foursome going. He has a kid, maybe a fivesome. I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, That's disgusting, Lisa. Don't even joke. Uh, So I want to get him settled. Have a seat over there. And um, for for those of you who probably may or may not know. Uh, Brian Andrew Whiteley is the artist behind the uh, Trump tombstone. And unless you're living in a uh, cave, and then you're probably not listening to this anyway because the reception would suck, um, Brian had this genius idea to make a Trump tombstone, you know, exactly like it would be 
with his birth date on it and then the date of his death blank and the 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 logo or saying that's make America hate again. And like that was brilliant, but that wasn't enough because Brian had this idea to also install it in Central Park. And then uh, uh, I'm going to let him tell you the story in a second. But like then the F hello, well, stage left, FBI and police and uh, lawyers and he'll 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 go through it. But um, it turned into like something that really affect it was a major media um blitz but it also i want to find out we will find out how it affected him personally because if you don't really know him and you just look at it from a point of view it seems like a wacky fascinating daring art project and i know that he was affected emotionally we're going to find out about that in a second um but we also want to let you know that it's exhibiting his show um is that uh, Christopher Stout Gallery. Um, that's the same gallery. Brian and I have a lot in common because um, that's the gallery where I did my The Artist is Humbly Present where I was naked for two days with the one and only Christopher Stout who's a gallerist that is um, in his on his own. Like, there's no comparison. And he is just... He's not just daring, but he is in love with... Uh, creating all that, creating things that are going to upset the norm and, and, and being part of that and making that happen. And, and that is a real gift for everyone out there, whether you know it or not, whether you, I mean, it's a huge gift for all of us. Um, so with that said, uh, hello, Brian, Andrew Whiteley. Hey, Dr. Lisa. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, I'm great. Okay. I'm great. Um, good. Make sure you talk into the mic, okay? Hello. Not, that, not all our guests are really pro- – I need to prompt them, and so I do my job here. i got to, like, have – got to add value by telling yeah, you. Yeah, no, you're doing great. Okay. Um, so, Brian, here's the thing. Why don't you just – can you describe briefly because we only have – oh, by the way – uh, thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. This is Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. I'm on with Brian Andrew Whiteley uh, from the the artist behind the Trump tombstone. There. I'm doing my job. Uh, so we have about 37 minutes. So I want you to describe uh, what happened, the facts behind it, so that we can do it in a concise way, so that we can spend most of the time with me grilling you about your feelings. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll just explain. And, 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 and also, you're an artist. You're a conceptual artist, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm an artist that covers a lot of bases and ground, not just uh, purely visual. I do a lot of storytelling, conceptual-based works, and... Some um, performance meaning, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And you're married and have kids, right? Which is unusual for us hipster people, especially you young hipster people. How <laughs> old are you, Brian? Uh, 33. And you're married how long? Oh, boy, about six years now. That's how long I've been married. What, what year? That's what we were just talking about. When did you get married? 2010? Uh, yeah. Me too. What day? Oh, boy, in uh, August. I got married in June. Amazing. Ah, married a couple months longer. So is your wife an artist? She's an architect. 
um, which is what they call uh, an artist who gets paid, uh-huh. I believe. And you have a child. How old is your child? I have two. I have oh, a four-year-old um, named Bruno and a 11-month-old named Oscar. Aww. And do you, does your wife go to like a job and then you do you stay with them? That's what I'm imagining. Is that what, or they get to stay with you till they go to school or something like that? Or, or you, how does that work? It's it's a mixed thing. Like my four year old is in preschool. My 11 month old hangs out with me a couple days a week, and then I have a sitter um, mm-hmm. that helps out as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, I get a lot of family time, and I'm I feel blessed yeah. for that. If you ever, you know, if you're ever, like, really need any help, we have, like, um, this big, uh, like, uh, box in our living room, and I could put, like, if you need, if you can't take care of your kid, we'll just put a blanket in there. You could drop drop them off. No problem, okay, if you ever, you know, <laughs> just bring them over, and we'll put them, put them in there. The dog won't bother him, and then, you know, for a couple hours, not, what could happen, right? Exactly. Um so tell us what you went through with your project, please. What, 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 how, did it, how did it come, come together? Um, so obviously, Donald has inspired a lot of both hate and I think um, uh, artists producing statements about him as well. So I was furious with some of the statements he was making. And as an artist, I was searching for some way to express myself and the feelings I had about his campaign, which seemed to be belittling um, any type of minority out there and undermining what I believe are American values of being open and appreciative of different types of races and different types of religions and people from all different parts of the world. And so I was stewing over Donald Trump and his campaign um, trying to come up with some way to comment on it in my own right. And I kept going back to elements of Donald and how do I get him to potentially reflect upon himself um, and what he was doing. Um, And so a couple of things came to mind about his character. Number one was he loved himself. He was an egomaniac and he loved putting his name on things, Um, which you find with the tombstone, you have his name and envisioning his own mortality which i think is you know it's it's a fear for everyone but especially for someone who loves himself as much as donald does (laughs) um so the idea kind of came together in that in that way um Mm -hmm. and then the research started and i had to try to find a tombstone shop who would help me on this this project which you know, it's kind of touch and go because this is a sensitive topic, you know. Um, <laughs> they deal with death and they deal with grieving families. And so when you go into a tombstone shop um, asking about a project like this and commissioning work like that. So did it, people like not want to do it? Did, were you, you, would people turn down business for that? I, you know, I kind of tested the water with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell them like, hey... Have you worked with artists before? That's essentially how I would start it. Some people would be like, we don't work with artists. Mm-hmm. I found a tombstone mm-hmm. shop, though, that mm-hmm. had worked with artists and mm-hmm. worked with artists regularly. Mm-hmm. They designed pedestals. They worked. So were they hesitant? Um, so he says, yes, I work with artists all the time. And then I kind of told him what I wanted, mm-hmm. which was 
to do a Donald Trump tombstone with Made America Hate on it as the epitaph. Uh, and he paused, um, but said, hey, you know, whatever, you know, we can do that, you know. He didn't know, though, that I was going to put it in Central Park. Yeah. Okay, so that worked out okay. It took some doing. And the idea was obviously very inspired. And, um, you know, an egomaniac and death go together because that's the ultimate humbling experience that you can't get away from. I mean, it's beautiful. So um, just explain to us, like, how you got it in there. Um, Like I said, I'm really, like, getting – I'm very time conscious. Uh, So I want to explain. I want them. I want our listeners to understand um, how you got it in there, and then the part about the like the aftermath and how long it was there and stuff like that. Sure. So, the tombstone shop creates the work. It takes about a month and a half um, to get it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how much did it cost? Did you put your own money out, or we shouldn't talk about that? Cause no, it's, it's for fine. Sale. Actually, um, uh-huh. I went to some collectors and found some backing for it and oh, it was okay. around two thousand five hundred dollars oh all right um so i i get the money i get the thing commissioned um mm-hmm. wait a month and a half and it's finally done and donald trump had actually risen and knocked out a bunch of people from the primary and at some point along the line he got secret service detail and i was reading about that <laughs> and i was thinking well the odds just kind of got dramatically greater here that i'm going to be um, sought after in some way, mm-hmm. but um, that didn't has did that give you pause or no? You know, he at around this point he was um, enticing his supporters to to violence against people who were protesting, right. and he was saying things like loose things about the First Amendment and maybe so that you First worried? Amendment. Were and you... as an artist, I was like this guy stepping on First Amendments and provoking violence as an artist. I knew I had to make a statement because mm. I felt it was so our right was, to make a statement. Right, right. Um, good, good. Yeah. We need that. Balls. Yeah. That's balls, <laughs> folks. And uh, just so happened the timing, which I was hoping for, was around Easter. And so I got the stone, um, and I wanted to place it on Easter morning because it was the piece mm. is called the Legacy Stone about mm-hmm. re- him to reflect on his uh, legacy that he's leaving behind. Um, mm mm-hmm. And so Easter was a very symbolic moment for mm-hmm. resurrection. Right. Um, so that morning, around four in the morning, I took the stone in a, a big truck. Um, Did you have, you must have had other people. Yeah, I had, and I think it's safe to release names now, um, my friend Ventico, who's a photographer. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, she was, uh, she's a woman with the peacock who came to see me when I was naked. She's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, Ventico is like my homegirl, and also my buddy uh, Geraldo Mercado, who's performance artist here in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, performance artists united at Central Park uh, West Side, north of Trump Tower by Tavern on the Green at four in the morning. Mm-hmm. Had the truck parked there. Um, mm-hmm. They showed up. I got on. I had already scouted where I wanted to place mm-hmm. it, which was past Tavern on the Green. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty close to Trump Tower, but in mm-hmm. a centralized location. Mm-hmm. Do you just place that on the ground and it stands, or did you have to dig a hole or anything? So it is a 500-pound slab of Vermont granite. When mm. you put it down, it, it stays. <laughs> I can't even. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, we got on a conference call, essentially, with headphones, 
and I had Ventico walking in front of me looking for coast is clear, like looking for people. As I hauled this stone uh, on a dolly uh, very tediously through Central Park, um, and Geraldo was behind were, me. Were you watching out for people and stuff? I mean, were yeah. you, was it was it like was that a tense as I imagine it was? Did that feel as tense as I I guess it, it was? It was like uh, a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible uh, mission happening. It was like super intense. Uh, everyone, like the my cohorts, were extremely nervous, um, and I was just committed to the project at that point. I'm like, no, we're doing it. Like you go, mm-hmm. you go in front. Check out, see if anyone's coming our way. Let me know. We're all on headsets and ah, oh, headsets. Okay, yeah. cool. And I had That's the stone good. inside of a box, so oh. um, it wasn't like plain as day. Right. But still, you're not supposed to be in Central Park uh, at that time. Is it is it hard to get in there, or it's just like if they catch you, you're in trouble? Yes. Yeah, some of the <laughs> initial comments were. How did someone move uh, a tombstone through Central Park yeah, without anyone noticing? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was hard. I mean, it was laborious. And How did you get into the park? Is the park locked? It's not locked. Ah. Um, so we had to check everything out. Uh, the coast was clear getting in, and it was clear. I got it to the spot and rolled it through the fence and But conce- conceivably, like if a policeman had caught you on your way and it would have been all over, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you got in, you got the stone down, and then you must have felt really elated, right? That must have been a that must have been a rush. Oh, that was great. And then um, Ventico, who uh, is also a photographer, one of the things I wanted was these beautiful, like a beautiful Easter morning sun rising on the stone. Which mm-hmm. so she stayed around waiting for that, and uh, I went back to the truck and took it back to Queens. And um, that's the photo that you use, that beautiful photo that that um you use mostly to show the set yeah of where it was in the park right yeah so exactly. her photos very you know you can see that photo probably on the christopher stout website page for sure yeah, yeah it's, it's beautiful it's all that's i mean been the, I, the whole thing is just so um you know i mean the real one is amazing but that photograph and the idea are all together are very moving you know the photograph has a certain mood because it's in the park and it's could yeah, it's really it's it's affecting yeah for sure yeah yeah thank so, you so mm-hmm. um yeah so, so then I dropped the truck off in Queens and I took the subway back and by the time I got back to Central Park it was probably around nine thirty and mm-hmm. I approach the tombstone location from a distance and I can see uh, police and Parks Department and a crowd of people all around the tombstone um, <laughs> and I started looking on social media and. Central Park, anything posting around that time, and yeah, the tombstone was already blowing up on social media. Um, so it got they got wind of it immediately. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. people were photographing and sending it out immediately, mm-hmm. and I mean, by the time we got close, the the police were carrying it away. And that must have been so gone. weird to see, right? It was, and I. I called you didn't, up. You, did you have any urge to go, hey, that's mine. <laughs> hey, wait, no. I did that. Isn't it great? I did it. No, I was like, oh, my God, that was really quick. Because another reason Easter morning worked, it seemed like there wouldn't be many police right. or parks department right. out. But right. They so were they were on, on that. Oh, no, they were on it. By nine. By that's nine o'clock. five hours, though. Yeah. They had a five-hour run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I mean, I mean, I, that's not like seven. I mean, I would have thought that's a long time. I would have thought they would have gotten on that sooner. You know, really. Mm-hmm. 
No. All right. Well, you know, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so you saw them carting it away. Was And were you upset? Was that hard? No. Um, I was... I was surprised it didn't stay up longer. Mm-hmm. It didn't really have a long uh, shelf life there. Right. Um, so I was kind of like nervous. Like, I don't know how many people saw it. I didn't know if it was going to take off or be, be visible to mm-hmm. more than just a few people who had seen it. Mm-hmm. But um, it did. And newspapers started covering it and the images started going out. And I went through um, different email addresses and I made sure to get Ventico's image out too. Right. So I was sharing as aliases to press outlets to mm-hmm. the, the, the nice right. image of that right. Ventico took. And that one was more synonymous with the project going right. forward. Um, right. Control the image. That's yeah. what we got to do now, folks. Don't yeah. let it get away from you. Good job. Yeah. I mean, it, the whole thing's been like back channeled a lot um, mm-hmm. through different types of fake Google, Google voice numbers and Google mm-hmm. accounts and, um, Mm-hmm. Really wanted to make sure that the content that gets out is, is, is the content that I want out there. Were you worried about, like, your family? I mean, it's – or any, were you worried about that or – So I plant the tombstone. I right. go back home with my wife, and then we go to, like, grab some lunch with the kids. And um, we start seeing all the articles coming out. And then the <laughs> next article come one article comes out, like, Secret Service is actively investigating <gasps> this. And that's when my – my wife was very upset with me. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. She got um, mad at you? Yeah. And, I mean, there was just volumes of articles coming out. And if you started reading through comment sections, you know, people say don't read the comments because... It's vitriol. Yeah. There's people from all walks of life commenting. And I, there was a lot of people seriously angry about this. Sure. Um, I mean, not not that I'm on their side, but, but, <laughs> but I mean, you know, angry... I mean... The internet, like the trolls on the internet, give them an insult, you know, whatever. Yeah, and uh, Breitbart and right-wing papers were saying this is a death threat. Oh. Um, Did you expect that? uh, I mean, I I knew I was threading on uh, thin ice, you know, between... between you know good and bad and like, i don't know what i knew it, it was gonna be controversial like it, yeah yeah right i guess i guess you know any yeah whatever sure and, i mean i had spoken yeah. to a lawyer beforehand and i said here's what i want on the stone he said if you don't put the death date it won't be misconstrued as a death threat ah that was so, good that was good so when we started seeing secret service investigating mm-hmm. um he was surprised he's like oh i mean you're gonna be fine don't worry they're not gonna mess with you mm-hmm. it can't be misconstrued was that as Kuby? a death threat ron kuby um this was a different lawyer different lawyer right so anyway yeah so i felt okay you know um you I, think, felt okay. I, I felt like maybe it's just they're going to investigate and realize it's probably just an art project and it's going to go away right but, but your wife was worried oh yeah she was worried she, she was, was mad at you she was mad at me did she sure. why what, what was her point i mean did she was like um, you're putting our family at risk yeah, she, she is she worried about her job she was worried about her job. She was worried about the family. Um, I mean, she's. Those I mean, things. with with like several of my art projects, she's like, "If you do right. this again, I'm going to divorce you." Ah. So I have to give you know certain projects a little spacing, you know. So. <laughs> well, I you know I I can see all those points of view, but you know, 
I mean, she's on board she now. Signed, she signed up for you. I mean, believe you me, it wasn't my husband didn't jump up for joy when I told him I was going to be naked in public for two days. <laughs> but he finally came around to it. But yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was tough. And now, now she's seen the whole project run its course, and she's been more than supportive and understanding. Yeah, right. I get my, that. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get what she went. But through. in the throes, I was nervous. I was freaking out too. I mean, there was days where I would leave my house. Leave my phone there because I figured they could track my phone and I would just go for long walks and like kind of hyperventilate because I was scared. I was looking out the windows, looking through the blinds. I felt like someone was going to come after me. Did you, do you think people were looking for you? Um, Did you feel, they, do you think you might have been followed? So they were investigating at that time. The police, mm-hmm. NYPD and Secret Service were on a joint um, investigation into my project and they were going... Um, to different tombstone shops and questioning them. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh. And around this time, I released a anonymous statement with, like, Vice Creators Project mm-hmm. trying to clear the air that it wasn't a death threat so mm-hmm. that maybe some of the the police and Secret Service investigation or um, so, right-wing fanaticals would kind of so, un- try to understand the project because it so, didn't have any language to it. Right. So you tried to – so that's – even though it's through Vice, it was fairly anonymous? It was anonymous. I had to provide background images. So I sent in an image of the tombstone from the tombstone shop. Mm. It was a very, it was cropped right around the tombstone. To Vice. You mean Vice? Yeah, assistant. and they published right. it. Mm-hmm. And then the NYPD looked at the tile work that was around the tombstone and went to back to some different tombstone shops and matched the tile. And they cornered um, the guys they who cornered made the it. guys who made it at Supreme Memorial. And they gave him my name. And so next thing that happens is, of course, the Secret Service and police come to my house and sit me down and interrogate me. Were you home? Yeah, I was home. So is it like a knock on the door? Yeah, it was a knock on the door. Like on TV? It was. It was just like TV like 1940s, show. 1940s, uh, 1960s, I mean, you know, like old school, like no phone calls, no texts, just we, a knock on the door. We got you. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> was your wife and family at home? No, but my in-laws were, and they, um, they had just... <sighs> That's much worse. I know, so so much worse. So they oh had just God. left, luckily. And they're from Spain, and they don't speak uh, English, and they don't know anything about this project. So... They right. left to go shopping, <laughs> and t- 10 minutes later, the police knock on the door, the Secret Service come inside, and they gave me the whole rundown. You know, we, we know what, what you did. Um, we spoke to the Tombstone shop, and they, then I had to answer a whole line of questioning, you know, like what books I read, uh, you know, have I been to political rallies, have I been close proximity to the president, do I own a handgun? Um, I had to release my mental health records. Mm-hmm. Um, you have them? Well, it's it's like I give them authority over any medical oh, or they mental go health get records. It. They, go, from, they, go, they get it themselves. Yeah, and they, they wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy. You had, a sign, a sta- you had yeah. to sign something, right? Yeah, and... Then, Did it seem like, like asking you what books you read? I mean, that, that seems like a stupid... Sorry, you guys, but that seems... Sorry, you uh, you know, Secret Service guys, but that seems really dumb because how can you prove that? And, like, if you're reading, like, you know, I don't know, how to, you know, kill uh, Donald Trump books, are you really <laughs> going to tell them? You know what I'm saying? That seems dumb. Did some of the questions seem dumb like that? 
Am I, am it, I, it did, did it seem a little surreal? It just felt surreal. That's weird. No, it's like, <laughs> what if you did said, I, have catcher, if I was you... reading Catcher in the Rye and Mein Kampf, yeah. Yeah, uh, right. Well, I was reading, you know, I love, I love, uh, I love uh, you know, I was reading Amy Schumer's book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, anyway, so, uh, so, so how was, what was the vibe like? Were they, were they really like threatened and suspicious of you or, or were they like, this guy's an artist, we got to do our job or what was the vibe like? I, it was more like that. It was more like he's an artist. I said, look guys, I, I'm an artist. I've done other projects that have similarly viral components to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were on board. Yeah, I mean, that didn't stop them. They had to interview me completely, and they had to interview – they interviewed my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, By phone or something? They went to his house as well. Where? Where's that? Uh, South Slope in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Convenient. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then, like, Inside Edition shows up right after them, and, like, with the TV crew, like, could we interview you? I mean, it, the news, like, blew up that it was me. Like, that, that very next day, there was a huge New York Times crime – crime report yeah i saw that yeah and then i was speaking with um their arts person and the next day there was a huge new york times arts article on Mm -hmm. the the whole project right and i mean so i had like a huge spell there where it was an anonymous thing and it was covered by the media and then the secret service caught me and then there was a whole another news cycle about me what do you mean the secret service i thought you i thought they well, there was a news cycle about the whole the 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 project yeah. without you, and then there was a news cycle of it with the once your name came out, right? But wasn't the Secret Service part of that? That was yeah, they were part of that. And was there a news cycle? So is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I'm talking clear. about like okay, once yeah. I got a, a, um, so so we're on the second news cycle then. The second news cycle was me getting busted. And did it keep growing? Um, I mean, or were they that's sort when, of similar? That's when the there was a name for all the people who were angry about the project, and it, so I started getting emails and Facebook people trolling me, like commenting on things that I had out there publicly, and you know, was that frightening, or how did that make you feel? Um, it's you know, it's kind of it's it's really interesting to get different perspectives i mean on us on like one image of the tombstone you can get 10 people saying oh man this is amazing and another 10 people telling me that i'm going to be underneath the tombstone next and mm. calling me a commie so what how did that how did, how did how did that make you feel were you scared were you angry were you you know like was it how i mean was that how did it feel what was that like for you did it make so you nervous or the, the, the two Moments, I would say, that I felt the most scared, stressed out, and and uncomfortable were when the investigation was happening. I didn't know if police were going to show up at any moment. And the second time was building up to the actual showing of the stone because that Mm -hmm. was the first time the object was going to be there and I was going to be there. And Breitbart and other right-wing publications were talking about this opening. And... There had been so much press and so much anger and love about this project mm-hmm. that I wasn't sure who was going to show up to the opening. Mm-hmm. And you um, mean you mean the opening at Christopher Stout's last yeah, Friday, which was yeah. awesome. Yeah, I was nervous. So you were nervous at that time because you didn't know who's. Were you a little worried that 
I mean, I felt nervous just being naked in the, in the gallery without provoking anyone in particular, personally. But um, were you worried that somebody might come in there with a gun or a knife? Yeah, I was terrified. And earlier you that week... You were really worried. Was yeah. your wife worried? She was worried. Um, Did I was, she not want you to go or anything? Was there ever that she, discussion? Like, Christopher got security guards. And oh, yeah, I remember that. We felt pretty safe after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean... I was getting more and more angry letters and emails, and I was getting phone calls. Um, you know, like scary stuff, scary, like, scary calls. Were you getting death threats? Yes, I was getting death threats. Um, what's your What's your take on like the people that um, attacked you? Does Does it just seem like crazy people that will go after anyone? What are the people out there that will attack you? What are the, What's your take on them? What are they like? Are they crazy? Are they, you know, just fanatics? Or are they just people who don't agree with you? Like, what What are they like? And your, you know, can you make a comment on them? What your Well, take I think on it them? takes a certain type of character to, who take the next step and pick up a phone and call the artist and then yell at them and tell them they're going to die. I think those mm-hmm. I think those are the fringe element type people, mm-hmm. fringe characters. Do you who, think those are like the same people that like get hand get guns and like create problems? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think so. So there's a big it, did it surprise you about the world of un, un, unstable hateful people out there? I think maybe they're all repressed artists and they don't know how to express themselves properly. Well, that, now there's something. I like that <laughs> take on it. I, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, you see all of these yeah, quote unquote right. lefty uh, Bernie and Hillary supporters who are making mm-hmm. art about Donald Trump and what, they, what their take is on him. But you don't really see mm-hmm. Republican artists out there. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, I just don't. Right. There's something about that. Well, they, they probably don't get a. Their probably works kind of dull, so they're probably not getting that much attention. <laughs> they need to try harder to get attention. And you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm on uh, Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit with Brian Andrew Whiteley talking about the tomb, Donald Trump's tombstone. We have 10 minutes left. Doesn't this go fast? So, um, wow. So, you know, um, as, as, as your therapist in this moment, um, I'm not getting um, a lot of feeling from you how that all those, say, let's call them death threats, all the hostility and craziness coming at you, how that made you feel. I'm not getting, a, I feel like, this is my guess, okay? Um, my guess is that um, it's disturbing and you're um, um, a brave not just brave, but you know, you're you're like a solid person that doesn't want to dwell on that, and that's my job as your therapist to dwell on that. And um, I'm wondering, like, I'm is it like was it hurtful? How does was it disturbing? Did it scare you? Does it make you? Well, you did say you were scared. Like, did it ever make you regret what you did, or like, what was that? Can you talk about that a little bit? Your feelings on that? Um, yeah, I, I have zero regrets. Uh, mm-hmm. about the project and by doing the project there was this cathartic release for me because mm-hmm. i was so angry and pent up about donald trump that mm-hmm. i feel like i made the comment i needed to about him mm. and but i i haven't felt the need to 
watch this person and analyze him because I mean as a performance artist he is performing all the time I know he's incredible he's, he's incredible to he's watch. a gene he's a genius performance artist in, yeah ex, you know if if he was co- conscious of what he was doing then he'd be a real genius but he's not um you know it's interesting because um I haven't heard anybody's I mean I relate to exactly what you're saying in the sense that I my project that I did naked at Christopher Stout's gallery was my anger at the art world and I felt um relieved also. I felt like it was cathartic in that way that I got that issue that I had out and I it doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> so it's interesting, isn't it? Art can be really truly healing and cathartic. That's great. It is. And I mean I Uh-huh. We're in like a bubble in New York City, but when I went to visit my parents recently there is Trump signs around, and mm-hmm, right. having that tombstone and that association in a different context would be absolutely terrifying. Terrifying, and a completely different feeling. I mean, I what was, do you mean? Like have, if you had yeah. it in a in a cemetery and like um, where your parent, where do your parents live? Uh, Rochester. Yeah. Okay. In Rochester, would that be a whole other story? I think I'm talking about like the exhibit at Christopher Stout's was in Bushwick. Right. So I have a bubble of safety around me. I see. But right. you take that project and ah, I show it in I get it. Houston, Texas, there's going to be a completely different crowd. and Somebody's going to show the, up with a gun. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So I, th- I thought that was interesting, too. And I mean, mm-hmm. I actually had some pretty emotional um, arguments with my, my parents mm-hmm. uh, because they were Republicans and mm-hmm. trying to get to the bottom of who they're going to vote for became a real thing. And this whole project as a backstory, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's started conversations between us that are completely uncomfortable. And I, I think that is maybe the one thing that has been good and bad about Trump is that he's getting people to talk about race and mm-hmm. realizing the problem that exists and I think we see the problem now, and we need to fight hard to stop the problem. Hmm. You know, it's really interesting. that That's an interesting point that you bring up, that your parents are Republicans, and you're from a you know conservative, um, gr- I guess, place where you grew up. And I'm sure that must have really partly why that fueled your anger so much, why you have such an emotional reaction to Trump, because... You can see um, the negativity of him manifested in your own home and hometown, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that must have really, that's part of the motivation, isn't it, behind make, making the tombstone or coming up with the idea? Yeah. There your was, own family, really. There was, I can't remember her name. She made a film about her father and the effects that Fox News had on him. Mm-hmm. Somebody who used to be fun-loving and excitable and turned into somebody who was filled kind of with anger and animosity. And I think that that fear that Trump has tapped into is a real thing, and I it, it's a scary thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it affects families, it affects people. Do you, do you feel like your family is, um, do you think, like, let's just talk about your parents. Do you think, like, Trump preaches a lot of hate, right? So what are your parents, what's their take? I mean, you can like Trump and not like that part of him. What's What are your... What do your parents say about, you know, when you say he said this crap about this person or this group? What did? How did they respond to that? Um, it's, it's, it's actually quite terrifying, you know, because they give him a pass. Um, well, I'm not going to vote for Hillary. 
And I'm like, well, so that means you're going to support Donald Trump. And they're like, well, my one vote doesn't matter. It's like, well, tell me why you would vote for Donald Trump. And when you start bringing up, you know, the, the, the banning of Muslims, a religious mm-hmm. group from and entering well, what, the country. Mm, what, would, what, what will they say to that? Do they agree with it? You know, well, we got to do something. I'm like, so the answer is targeting one religious group entirely. Like, that's that's your answer, pointing a finger at Mexicans, and saying <laughs> they're rapists. Absurd. Like they're coming here, and like if you look at the stats and figures, I feel like no one's no one's really judging this guy in the same regard. He can say whatever he wants, and right. the statistics show otherwise. Right, and it has my parents. It has other parents, and fooled. Like, I mean, so they just give him a pass, and they're like, "Ah, he's just some kid." Saying, oh, he's he's they just don't saying take him stuff. Seriously. He's kind of funny. I'm like, "Mom, it's not funny to right. discriminate." His vice president was passed trying to pass laws for for gay for uh, businesses to discriminate against gay people. Well, they may actually. I mean, there are people that agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that's reality. And I'm like, Mom, do you remember when black people had to sit in a certain part of the restaurant? That's, <laughs> that's, that's discrimination. Oh, that's so frightening. Do you not see there's a pattern here? And these are not ideas you want to support. Okay, we have three minutes left, and I want to make sure that um, we get in the information about um, how people can go to see um, your project, which um, is got an amazing uh, installation and, and, and uh, some other things about it at the Christopher Stout Gallery, which is in, um, what's the address again? It's 119 Ingraham Street, um, which is off the L stop um, on Morgan Avenue, L Morgan. And um, it's open um, all day Saturday, all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's Bushwick Open Studios weekend. You should come out. You should see it. There's a link to it on my Facebook page. And um, in the last two minute and a half, I want to know what you think about Trump. Do you think he's going to win, Brian? Um, no. Do you, do you feel he confident he's not going to win? Um, no. <laughs> What's in, your in feeling? My, in my heart, I believe that we're too diverse and too smart to elect him. Mm-hmm. But you're nervous, right? I'm terrified. Me too. I know it's um, and it's also um, sad and disturbing, right? That he even got that far. So I just want to, you know, bring us back full circle to where I started with, which was my um, conversation with Spencer Shilley about um, the film he made, Cold Feet, about my ambivalence about getting married, and we were reflecting about how six years ago, uh, gays you know, were not able to get married and what a what a struggle that was and how in that fairly short span of time, it's become normal. It's normal for all people to get married. And so I want to leave us on like a really grateful, positive note. I mean, things do change and there is positive, there is some, we're, you know, that's, there is movement in the right direction, just not consistently enough, Right. Would you agree with that? I agree. That's good. So that means that you're really healthy. Dr. Lisa gives a shit.